Good morning, people. So welcome back to another episode of Theory Pre-Med. Theory Pre-Med is a podcast following the journey of three pre-med students, <laughs> but today only two for this episode, uh, Mo, Todd, and Nathan. Here we talk about our path and experiences as we bring on guests who will connect people and pre-meds worldwide. So if you're thinking about med school or healthcare, just in general, you are at the right spot. Also, thank you to Chapman Radio for giving us a space to record today. It's one of those early mornings today where we had to record early. Um, if you don't remember from the previous episodes, a lot of us have things going on during break and I won't even be in the country. So we're double recording. So this is the first episode of this morning, uh, this early morning for Nathan. <laughs> so he slept in today a little bit for the first episode, but he's on his way for the second one. So um, we're going to be talking about some presentation skills today. So I think we've done a lot of presentations in the past, um, especially in our different classes like GCI and uh, English, I know is a big one too. So we're here, if you're going, into, going from high school to college, or even if you're just in college right now and you're struggling with that, we're here to give you some, th- some tips and tricks that we've kind of found that were very helpful. Yeah, we've done a lot of presenting slash informing slash like teaching in some way, maybe less of actually like like teaching from nothing, but more of like reviewing and uh, instructing, I guess. Um, so we've, I don't know, we've developed these, I think we've developed these skills a lot, especially compared to high school where a lot of presentations are just like, okay, stand there, read off the slides and then you're good. I feel like in college there's a lot of different things that you have to do or like different methods that you um, can use to, you know, dep- I guess depending on what you're talking about to get the information across like the best Totally. And you know one thing that doesn't get information well across? It's manual books. Because yesterday I had to build a whole janitor's closet, like with the shelves and everything. And I looked at the manual book and it was just like, it was just gibberish. For what? So I was at the volunteering thing at OFD. Oh. And dude, I, sp- I, li- I was supposed to get off at like a 3. I got off at like 6.30. And then I still had like 20 minutes to go and I really wanted to get it done. And then they were just like closing up and I was like, ah, oh. and they just like basically kicked me out. They're like, all right, just go home. We'll, f- we'll finish it tomorrow. Um, but yeah, so manual books suck. <laughs> yeah. I think that there's like, they're in a specific codex where it's like <laughs> they're encoded and I feel like they're always hard to read, but I don't really know. It like showed a picture and I was not sure which way was the front and which way was the back. So I literally had to build it and see if it fit, and then it didn't fit. So I had to, like, take it apart and then rebuild it. And Mm -hmm. the worst part about the entire thing was, so, like, there's, like, these poles that come with these screws in there. And then that screw was cross-threaded. So I had to go down to the firefighter side. And then I had to, like, be like, hello, sir. I need some help, like, taking this apart. Dude, because I tried using a wrench. It was not working. So they had to get literally three guys on that pole and their captain was the one that, like, unscrewed it. I was like, damn, yeah, there's no way I was going to get it apart. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was, that was yesterday, and this is why my hands are all busted. Nice. Yeah. Have you, start, have you started hitting the gym yet? I mean, I've, I've been going, like, recently. I, I mean, I've been going, like, somewhat consistently through school, and it's kind of been the same. But, like, I've been trying to do more cardio because I'm kind of, like, getting chunky. I think I talked about this like like last week or two weeks ago or something, but like I was trying to do more cardio because I was like, well, I can keep like lifting weights or whatever, but like 
gotta keep the heart healthy. <laughs> you know? No, yeah, that was me I yesterday. I was like, I finished up like lifting weights and stuff. And I was like, all right, let's let's go do some cardio. Oh boy. Thirty minutes in, I was sweating, like I just worked out for like four hours. And then I was doing like an incline thing and oh my god, my back like I went home and just laid in bed and I was I was done. Um <laughs> but yeah. So I think a good way to break up this episode is more of doing like school type of presentations and things like that and like informative sessions where you're taking information and you're presenting it and then for the second half we kind of break it up into more of what we've learned from SIing which is supplemental instructors. You're basically almost like a TA, you do like review sessions like Todd mentioned earlier and things like that. But I think when you're trying to teach very dense material, especially like chemistry, biology and I mean, at the end of the day, we're just students, right? So we're obviously not as knowledgeable as professors who have PhDs in those fields, but we've taken the classes enough to know what we struggled with and how we best kind of took in that material and were able to bridge that gap between the professor and the students. Um, so to just start us off, what are some examples of certain classes that we've that have been presentation heavy, at least at Chapman? Um, well, you mentioned GCI, and for those who don't know what that is, it's short for Grand Challenges Initiative. And what it is, is a two-year sort of sequence of classes that all of the science majors take. And it helps you prepare for your field um, through doing like literature review and writing about primary literature, um, all the way to designing your own project with a group, and then eventually presenting on it um, like practicing presenting on on information you find and then presenting on you know your project at the end of the two years. Yeah, I mean, I I personally liked the last semester of that <laughs> entire project just because it was yeah. less of reading but more of really making your product and presenting it to the teacher and just your classmates for feedback. So I really enjoyed that aspect because you were finally doing something you genuinely enjoyed. I mean, like you've been reading about this product that you're trying to make for the longest time ever for three semesters now and you're finally able to get down to it you're able to show the world show your classmates hey this is what I'm doing and this is why it's impactful and for them to like really give you the proper feedback you really needed to convey your thought process and why this is going to be impactful pretty well right because if you weren't able to do that then they're going to have a hard time understanding what exactly it is and they're not going to, to be able to respond really yeah I think Looking back on it, it was definitely, like, hard in the moment. And I, I think a lot of people, like, when they're taking the class, they're like, oh, man, like, I, this I don't is like difficult this, yeah. and I don't like it. But I feel like looking back on it, it was really helpful. And I feel like it made me a lot better of a writer. Because I think I came into college not being that great of a writer. But then I feel like now, and I don't know if it's because of that class, I feel like that at least has to play some sort of role, definitely. But I feel like I'm a lot better of a writer now than I was before. So I I don't know. But I'm sure that kind of writing skills that you've built has helped you, though, like better prepare for presentations, too. Yeah. In a way. I don't know. Um, I don't know. When else have we had presentations? Or English is a big writing? one. But I feel like for English, it's a lot easier because a lot, at least for the English classes that we've taken, it's been a lot more of like pick your own like topic or thing that you like like I did mine on video games I think you did yours on what was it well we did a lot I did mine I did one of them on like uh, Asian American representation mm -hmm. I did another one on like sports 
sports. Basketball. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I did mine on Jake Paul, like boxing. I remember oh, yeah. That. So, and then you did video games, <laughs> none of the, the flash thing. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think the biggest thing with presentations is really having fun with it. Because if you're able to really correlate and relate to it a lot, then you could just talk and talk and talk about it. Um, obviously, in a certain sense, you don't want to just blabble or babble about it to the point where like someone just gets bored. You want to be able to talk about it, get them interested, and then just move on to the next point. And I think that's what we've kind of learned to do, especially in English, because you obviously love, um, what was it? The, it was the the Asian um, presentation you did on, on, what was it, movies, right? Yeah, representation. Representation movies. Yeah, I do, like, I do love that. Yeah, so like you, you're, you were very big and adamant about that, so you were able to connect very well to that. Uh, for me, it was video games, I love video games, and I was just able to really personalize that presentation to come across that way. So... All right, so we're preparing this presentation. What are some things that you tend to do before kind of making your final product? Um, well, definitely the first thing is knowing your audience, right? Knowing kind of like the context that you're um, talking about. And I mean, it's important because if I'm giving a presentation to like a science class or to students in science, it's going to be a lot different than if I was doing like, say, yeah, like a video game presentation in an English class that is, you know, relatively chill, right? You, it's just knowing the context that you're presenting in and knowing your audience, I think, is the first step in actually designing or say, like thinking about what you're going to say to them. Totally. I mean, when you're going into science classes, it's more of like literature and like straight up facts. But then when you're in English, it's either reviewing a book that you just read, right, or an article or something like that. Or even just like a random like topic that you could just make videos out of. You could get the class really involved. And I think, honestly, looking at it, with, with science classes, I think that's one of the downsides in pre presentations is a lot of the time it's just you talking and you're not able to really get the audience involved. It's more of them just listening. And then at the end, you get some feedback on it. But what are some ways you, when designing your presentation, especially in science classes, I think that, that gets a little hard with that because there's just so much information that you could present on that uh, a lot of the time. What are some ways that you use to condense the material into a presentation where the audience could really understand what you're trying to like get to them? Um, well, I think it's I think it's just what I said about, you know, knowing your audience. I think being able to kind of you know, make things digestible and 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 thinking about or thinking critically about, you know, how would I want to be at, like? How would I want to be talked to about this material had I not known anything about it, right? Because obviously, when you're presenting, you know, there's sort of a prerequisite of I ha you, have, you have to have this like X amount of knowledge about this subject before you can, or like you should be like talking about it. Um, I mean, it's all dependent on the context, but you know, if if you think about it, it's like you're gonna have more information probably than what you're gonna be presenting. And so you have to think about, you know, what's my audience knowledge level, right? And how can I deliver my knowledge in a way that is, you know, digestible for the audience, right? So like if someone had just walked into the class, they should be able to understand it yeah. for, the, for the most part. Yeah, because if you, if you just walk in the room and you start talking about everything that you know, right? If, like, if we walked into the first day of biochemistry 
and just gave a biochemistry presentation about the stuff that we know, right? Without going over like the sort of foundational stuff. It's like, well, if you don't have the foundation, then it's nothing really means, hard to understand. Nothing means anything. Else. Yeah, yeah it's, totally. all, it's all just words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I think on top of that too, it's when you're when you're reviewing your presentation. Let's say you're done with it. If you read it and you're getting bored in it, I think that's kind of a hint to like, hey, we need to change something up a little bit. Because yeah, science is very straightforward in a way. It's like, hey, you have this information, now convey it. Um, it's not really, I would say when you're presenting it, it's not really adding a creative twist to the words. It's more like a creative way to the way you're presenting it. Um, so as, at times it's easy to get lost in the sauce in a way, like the people say, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like saying that and I, I said it. Um, I don't know what's sauce. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I don't know. And so I think the biggest thing too with presentations, it's really being able, being able to come in very confident as well. Like, yeah, it's, I understand you could be shy, right? You have a large audience. And a lot of the time they could be very critical of the information that you're pursuing because you've all taken the class and a lot of people know what's being said. Um, so it's very easy to, can't be afraid to make that small mistake or something like that. But it's okay. If that mistake happens, just move on. Um, as long as you keep on going and you don't make it very apparent and like start freaking out about it, I think no one will really care as much. It's I, I, What I've noticed, at least at least in high school, was when you mess up and you're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I misspoke. Like, just keep on going. Uh, because that's when people are like, oh, he, they just made a mistake, right? Um, and, I mean... I think confidence is key not for just presentations, but really anything. Whenever you're going into a new volunteer position, whenever you're going into a new classroom, whenever you're going into office hours, right? You want to feel confident. You want to. That's that's who you are, you know. And the the way you be, you're, you're confident is by being who you are. And with the second you try changing things up into something that you're not, it's hard to do that, right? Um, and it's not your natural state. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think. I mean. Going back to what you said about confidence and presenting, I definitely agree with that. Um, to me, it's like one thing I think about is that like if you like you pay attention to your mistakes the most, right? If you you know miss say something, um, you're gonna pay attention to it a lot more than other people are. Like if you think about any time you've sat in the audience and someone who has spoken has you know messed up. I guess even if you sit here right now and you think about, you know, once the last like presentation or like any presentation I've recently listened to, like, I can't, I, yeah, yeah. You, you can't, you can't even remember the last time, like you remember mm-hmm. someone messing up unless it was like a really bad mess up. Um, but we like, get yeah, because people are self critical, like we think about our mistakes a lot more than other people think about our mistakes. And that goes not only with just like, presentations but also just like embarrassing things in your life like if you've ever had a, like a time um, like before you're going to bed and like a random thought pops in your head where it's like this really embarrassing moment like i don't know if that ever happens to you or anyone else but like like you're the only one who remembers that if you think about other times like other people were like really embarrassing like a long time ago i'm sure you it's really hard to remember and i'm pretty sure people don't remember certain things about you either that being said um in terms of confidence I think, yeah, just going into it, you know, doing your best to be confident is definitely the way to go. I think it can be hard to not be, like, scared. Um, and that kind of comes back to the quote of, like, if you can't do it confident or you can't do it fearless, then just do it scared, right? 
I don't know if you have like this this sort of not like problem, but like this phenomenon where like whenever I'm about to present, even if I know exactly who my audience is and I like like say it's to a class I've literally been in like the whole semester and like people like with who I'm like friends with and stuff. Like even if I'm not nervous in my head, like my heart my heart still like beats like like it beats harder and Leading faster. Leading up to it. Yeah. Even if I know exactly like who I'm presenting to, I know it's like super low stakes and like I know like I'm friends with people in the audience. It's like it's still is nerve-wracking even in my head i'm like oh like this is fine like i know exactly what i'm gonna say my heart is still it's still just like pounds harder and faster i don't know if that's... it's just like i think it's just the human nature really yeah. <laughs> because i mean you're going up in front of a lot of people right yeah. and you have so many eyes on you uh, something i've always tried doing that i think kind of helps me calm down whenever i'm presenting is yeah i'll look at the audience but a lot of time i'm not looking at specific people i'm literally just looking behind yeah, them yeah like yeah. looking behind them i think just works so well have you ever used where like they're like imagine the audience naked? Have you ever done no. that? No, I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, I've never done that either. <laughs> that's um, weird. Um, <laughs> so I think that's like a very interesting way to do it. If you've done it, let us know how it goes uh, in our comments when we post on Instagram. Yeah, I find that I don't like I don't look at people like in the eyes when I'm presenting. At least I don't think I do. Maybe I do just because like I'm thinking of like what I'm saying and like I'm just looking at like random people. But I feel like I I just kind of look. Like between people. Yeah. Uh, I don't totally. really know though, because I feel like most of the time I'm just more focused on like what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think when crafting your presentation too, something that does help you organize yourself and really go through that presentation where everyone else understands it is setting kind of like a question for yourself that you're trying to answer. So for the first part of my presentations, I typically tend to ask, what am I presenting? Right, and that's where I give some background information. So the what, and then the why. People always want to know why, and I think sometimes, depending on the type of information you're really presenting, you could switch that up. You could kind of give a problem or an issue. And I think we saw a lot of that in GCI, where we we are trying to solve some type of world problem, and that's where the why came first. Why is this important? Why should you care about this? And then how are we going to um, fix this and what are we go going to use so the, depending on the presentation you might have to switch up those questions and but I think that the biggest questions all humans always want to know is why are we why should we care I mean you're talking to us seven other groups already talked to us why should I care about your presentation more than the other right and again how how are you going to fix this so that could be like I am trying to bypass the blood-brain barrier that was our, our thing for the longest time ever and <laughs> And we talked so much about it. Um, and there's so many issues with that. It's so complicated. But how are you going to do that? And that's where we started talking about nanoparticles and things like that. And then eventually we ended up with the what, which was our product. And eventually our product kind of went from nanoparticles to something that could make nanoparticles a lot easier to um, synthesize and things like that. So there's definitely a lot of different ways to approach a presentation, but just breaking it up into those sections where you're better organized and better prepared, it just makes it easier. So that when you go up, you know the sections. You know the information like, hey, this is what I'm doing, this is why I'm doing it, and so on. And I think an important thing too is when you're presenting, it's okay to loosen up a little bit with your presentation. Like, yeah, it might be to a science class, but make it a little funny, right? I mean, you've been, especially when you're doing a presentation, it's typically during midterm season or final season. You've known the class for so long, you've, you, you, you should have at least 
kind of talk to teacher a little bit where they know you a little more, right? So yeah, you still want to be professional, but I feel like that kind of line could be dropped a little bit to the point where you could make those like slight funny jokes where everyone kind of smiles or just laughs for a bit. And that kind of gets more people engaged. And even the teacher, I mean, they're grading so many different presentations. They don't, they don't only have your section, but they have so many other sections as well. So they've heard a lot of this information over and over and over again. And it's easy for them to lose track of what you're saying, right? So to keep them engaged, it's okay to throw in that little joke every once in a while, especially if you have like a inside joke within your classroom. So that's, I think, my two cents on presentations. I don't know if you want to add anything yeah. else. I'll add a little more. I think what you were describing um, in terms of, you know, the order of delivery of information, it, it, it like, aligns a lot with the idea of telling a story. Um, and kind of what I think you were getting at is you, you described how for our project, we first were trying to blood pass or blood pass, <laughs> blood pass. bypass the blood brain barrier uh, with nanoparticles. And then we went through a lot of diversions and a lot of kind of blocks in the road that uh, eventually turned our project towards uh, making a microfluidic chip to synthesize nanoparticles. And by delivering information in a way that's told in a story, that helps the listener or the reader understand, you know, why this is important. That whole central question of like, why should I care? Because, you know, within that story, I think a lot of times we find the reason why we care. And that's kind of delivered when you present um, in that storytelling way. And it also helps to kind of uh, like help with like the foundation and then building up from that. Because in that story, like you're delivering what your, you know, your foundation is and, how, and where you started and where like you're ending up. And that's kind of like talking your talking about your build of knowledge, too. Um, but this is also a little sidetrack. Did you know that there's another group that did like CRISPR? And yeah, like, they won. Well, like no, no, that was like the, um, like the the they made a CRISPR game. Yeah, they won. No, but there was another group that actually did CRISPR on like C. elegans worms. Wait, really? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Wait, how'd they get CRISPR? I don't know. They but they were able to. Are you serious? Yeah, I I heard that and I was like, no, nah, there's no wait. Was it Aryer? Mm-hmm. They I can win? tell you who it is, but no, oh. they got they. No, I'll tell you after, but like. It was another group that got the same award that, that we did. Oh, and, for real? Yeah, and they used CRISPR on C. elegans worms. And I, I heard that, what? and I was like, I was like, did they get any results out of it? Um, I don't know. I'll, but yeah, but I'll tell you after. I heard that, and I was like, I was like, what? That's, <laughs> That's crazy. so cool. I mean, we um, got to use some pretty cool stuff too. Yeah, yeah but, but I don't think it's cool as CRISPR. Yeah, I think I think if we were because their their um, project was like similar to ours, and like it was. Just, down a different road. Okay, interesting. Yeah. We'll talk more about it after. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but I think a lot of the presentations too, something that has also helped me connect with my audience as well, has been being honest. And I think just being blatantly <laughs> honest with all your failures is always very relatable because nothing is ever perfect. Everyone went through some type of like down, like super low point in their like research or whatever it is where they're like, this sucks. And then for us, that was trying to figure out how to bypass the blood-brain barrier. So, I mean, uh, that didn't work out. Yeah. And and I think during a lot of our presentations, when we were kind of changing paths from trying to bypass the blood-brain barrier to creating this um, microfluidic trip, trip, <laughs> chip, <laughs> um, a lot of it was like, hey, we tried this, and these are the things that we tried, 
but this thing sucks. It's so hard to do it, right? But what's what also is hard about it is actually making these nanoparticles and making them more accessible to people. So this is how we're able to at least make a stepping stone for someone who is a lot more knowledgeable about the brain and the blood-brain barrier. And utilizing nanoparticles is how we were making it more accessible for them to make these nanoparticles so they could make an even larger leap in, in their research, right? Yeah. So don't always feel like you need to blow something up to where it's like the craziest, biggest thing ever. It's okay if it's not. You're still making some type of stepping stone for someone else. And I think as long as you're showing that and you're being honest, then people can relate and really enjoy it and take it as it is. Yeah. And again, that just comes with context. 100%. Right? You know, there's some presentations where it's good to, you know, acknowledge, you know, your shortcomings, um, you know, in the presentation. But then there's also presentations that are probably good to just, you know, deliver the information, especially depending on, you know, how much time you might have. And then one other thing that you mentioned that I wanted to also add on to was this idea of like using humor. Um, like first, I'll just preface it with saying that like everyone has their own presentation type, like styles. You know, if you don't like using humor, then that's fine, right? I think it's everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. So as long as you can find a style that works for you, then go for it. Um, but I just wanted to add like one example of something that like some. Thing I did for one of my classes. So for neuroscience, we had a presentation. Like we had to do mini presentations. Was it a police thing? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so I like, added, I, so I was getting audience participation, and one of my, and I was doing my presentation on like, does alcohol actually kill brain cells? And the first, and so my first or second slide, I was like, okay, you know, have, have any of you like had alcohol before? And you know, because everyone's like around 20. Some people are 21 in that class, but like everyone's around 20 years old or 19. Um, I like had them like, I was like, okay, you know, like I'm not, I'm not a cop guys. You guys can like raise your hand. Like <laughs> I'm not going to rat you out. And then right after they answered that, I had the next slide, I had like an animated like little image thing where like a police officer like popped up <laughs> and I thought that was funny. Um, and that was one way that I used humor um, to like, help bolster the presentation but even beyond that i so what happened was the the image of like the cop shows up and under it it says officer jim also likes to enjoy like (laughs) a beer with his friends on the weekends or something under that right and then i built my whole presentation around that narrative of like oh is officer jim like gonna be like healthy like is like will his brain cells die like is he gonna be okay and i built my whole like presentation around that and I felt like that was kind of one thing where I was like, you know what, like, like I'll just have fun with it, right? I knew it was like low stakes, ish. Um, I knew that like it was just a class presentation, like it wasn't anything like super, super like important or serious, and that it was mostly just for practice. Um, so I, you know, I was like, I'll try this. I'll try something. I'll see how you know people react to it, how how I like it, and I thought it was fun. I thought it was a, a good way to kind of like, you know, make things a little bit more lively. But, I think that's a great yeah. example of like multimodal <laughs> presentations too, right? It's not just words on the screen. It's also implementing different visuals, like pictures, videos. I mean, the short 10, 15 second video could help the audience a ton. Right. I mean, I know in Gen Chem when you're learning about like waves and like, um, like different things like that, a lot of the time professors will put on like a 30 second video just to help you visualize it for a second. And I remember during our GCI presentation, something we did was actually print out these microfluidic chips and pass them out when we're presenting. And I feel like a lot of the audience members really enjoyed that. They're like, oh, this is actually a thing that you're doing, right? This is what it looks like. This is not no longer just a concept. It's actually a thing that you have. 
So I think that's a yeah. ton of help. Uh, well, but you we, mentioned you mentioned multimodal presentation. Do you want to like describe? Yeah, totally. So a lot of the time with presentations, um, especially in high school, you tend to just see words on a screen where you're analyzing, let's say, a quote or like something from a textbook, right? But multimodal presentations is where you change it up. You don't just use one type of presentation skill, which is like just words. You're also implementing different things, whether it's videos, whether it's pictures, whether it's really bring your audience into it, right? There's so many multimodal like ways of like doing it. I think that's like the best way. To do it. It's not just one thing. It's you're incorporating so many different skills into it. Right. Yeah. Like it, essentially, uh, it's it's like using different modes of presenting information, like. Um, words on a screen or videos, images too, kind of like attacking, not attack, but like presenting to different, I guess, like senses um, that people have. Like you can use visual, um, which is like, you know, what you see on a screen. You can use audio, which is like what you hear. You can use, you know, I guess like tactile or like how, like if you give them like a model or if like sometimes science, te- science professors will like pass out like models for people to like hold and look at. Like that's another like gives you appreciation for the thing right and it's just like you know adding more layers onto your presentation um and different kind of ways of learning and interpreting it totally i think we've talked a lot about presentations and i think everyone has their different ways but i think the biggest thing is don't just read off the slide it's it's never going to work because at that point it just shows that i think it just shows that you're not really knowledgeable about your talking it's just something that is on a screen anyone can read, even your audience members. So if you have big chunks of text on there, I mean, myself, I get bored when I have to read that. I don't even read it, to be honest. I just look at it and I'm like, okay, cool, there's words. <laughs> but the second that there's a video or there's maybe like a bullet point or two on there that are very short, my brain just reads it automatically. It's easy for your brain to just automatically do it, right? And then relate it to that picture or that video. So keep that in mind. Go through your presentation before you present it. Make sure that you're not bored presenting it because if you're bored 99% of the time your audience is also going to be bored but if you're having fun with it then that fun is going to transfer onto your audience um, but something that I think we've also learned a lot from has been SIing so what if you don't know what an SI is I've touched up on, a little bit on it and we've definitely talked about it in the past and previous episodes it's called a supplemental instructor. So you start off by taking the class you do well in the class then you connect pretty well with the teacher as well so then You've completed the class, right? And you, the teacher will ask you, hey, do you want to SI for me? Which is basically you go into lectures um, with the next class, and then you kind of review the material during lecture. You help students in class if, they're ha- they've have, if they have questions or something like that. Then you write down those topics, and you create worksheets and review sessions, office hours, and all that. So a lot of the time, these students will come in like, hey, I, I have no clue what's going on during this this concept. Like, please help me. And a lot of the time, it'll also be the same week as a test, and you really want to help them. So if they weren't able to understand it during lecture, a lot of time it means that the teachers didn't connect well with that student because that student might have not been able to understand those that type of presentation, right? And this is why it's also important to present in different ways because sometimes someone might not be able to really understand the words, but if they see a video, they'll be like, oh, this is actually what it means, right? So... You just have to switch it up a little bit and make your own style of it. So then when that person comes in and they need help, you're able to actually help them. Um, I think one of the most challenging parts about that class is someone will come in and then like, especially during office hours, and they'll be like, hey, I don't understand anything. Well, there's a lot of things that we've learned in Gen Chem, right? So helping them narrow down what they're trying to 
learn and what they actually know versus what they actually don't know, I think is very challenging. But once you get to that point, it's very easy to help them with what they don't know. Yeah. Uh, for me, what I like to do uh, when I'm doing the review sessions is interjecting like a lot of fun facts. I don't, honestly, I don't really know. I like to think that the like the students enjoy what I say um, in addition to like what they're learning because I like to just say like, okay, guys, I'm going to preface this with the fact that you don't need to know this. But, you know, it's just like a, in, in case you didn't know, like, oh, you know, types of organisms that are like polyploidy tend to be things like plants or, or like, you know, not basically not humans, right? Um, because we learn about like polyploidy, but then the examples are kind of maybe sparse. So I like to just kind of interject my own. And I feel like that, you know, hopefully would help them either learn more or just be like, hey, you know, that's, that's kind of cool. I'll forget about it. <laughs> but, you know, in the moment, that's kind of cool. And I always like to say, I'm pretty sure I say this like three or four times, like throughout the semester. I'm like, like, yeah, so now you know this cool fact that you can go home and, and tell your mom and dad about it when, <laughs> like, when you go to like Thanksgiving or something. Um, or I say, yeah, you know, this is something cool that like you can go to a party and say, and everyone will think that you're the coolest person ever, even though it's something like, you know, like the third step of like mitosis or anything that like, you know, in reality, people might not care about. It. I care about it, but other people might not. Uh, but that's just something I like to do to like help keep things like lighthearted and make things a little interesting. Cause I, I don't know, sometimes, especially now, like after learning biochem, I feel like there's a lot of like fun facts that I can give about different things depending on what we're learning. So yeah. And what I've noticed is that like our, Gen Bio 1, like Bio 204, actually like prepares you like pretty adjacently for biochem, which is kind of interesting. How so? Um, like, well, you talk about the RNA world hypothesis, which I've never heard of until biochem and oh, really? Bio 204. Yeah, I, I don't think I have heard of it. Because generally, a lot of the bio classes I've taken start with the cell and then kind of just move from that. Uh, well, I've only taken like two bio classes before that, but, <laughs> but basically, um, yeah. And then you talk about like all the biomolecules, right? Which I guess is just what bio biochem is, but you talk about all the bio, uh, all the biomolecules and you talk about like proteins, uh, nucleic acids. I kind of put myself on the spot here, uh, lipids and there's one more. Carbohydrates. carbohydrates yeah <laughs> and you talk about every single one of them and you get an introduction to them so yeah but it's definitely not in the depth of biochem totally yeah, i mean biochem is its own monster to be honest just the amount of material you have to <laughs> take in yeah um but i think a lot of the time when you're trying let's say you're taing or siing let's say your, your school has an si um those students are going to rely on you for concepts that they don't really understand because they know you've done well in the class that's why you're in that position so really making that friendship with them to the point where you're not really a teacher-student type of thing, but really just another peer of theirs that is there to help them is really important because at that point, they're able to utilize you. They're able to come to your office hours. They feel comfortable being around you. And I think that's really helpful. And, and at first, maybe your first SI session, it might not be the easiest because you just met these people. So it might take a little, little bit of time, but after that, I think if you've done a great job with um, really presenting yourself and being there for them, then you'll see that attendance go up because they'll start telling their friends, hey, this, this was super helpful. And they'll start bringing people from different classes and things like that. And sometimes they can be overwhelming because of the amount of people that come in, but that's okay. That means they're doing a great job. 
Um, one thing that I've tried doing with my review sessions is I'll make a theme around them. So I'll have like a Marvel theme where I'll do some Spider-Man stuff and build off of that. Uh, because people can relate to that. People, a lot of people have watched Spider-Man or Marvel, right? So when you kind of incorporate chemistry into Spider-Man's web, for example, and you, you don't necessarily have to use specific elements on the periodic table, you could just make up an element as long as you're able to get concepts into that. That's okay. And that just like, I mean, people have already gone through lectures all day long, and now they're going to a review session for two hours late, later in the day. Like, that's a lot of time commitment to that one class, and a lot of the time you're just tired. So coming in and getting that fun out of it, I think, is usually very appreciated by them. Um, and a lot of time, not a lot of time, but sometimes you'll you'll put out a concept out there, and I don't know if this has happened to you, but everyone just be like, what is happening? And they won't even remember it from lecture in a way. And that's where you kind of need need to regroup and take a step back and be like, all right, let's do this together and kind of teach it in your own way where it's a little different from lecture. Because if it was taught that way in lecture and a lot of them didn't understand it, then obviously that that way wasn't working for them. So making your own way, I think, is very important. Mm. Yeah, I, I think one thing that I definitely integrated a lot more of towards the end of the semester that I'm really, really happy about is the idea of, you know, having having them work together to solve, like just having them stand up and like doing stuff. Um, because I think for me, and I think, I think, well, for both of us, because we started online, a lot of our SI sessions were just people talking at us, right? And I think for a long time, that was what I like thought of them as. I was like, okay, this is what an SI does, right? Mm-hmm. So I kind of just will replicate this style. But then I realized more and more that, you know what? Like, this is not really... Like, I don't feel like it's the most effective. I feel like I could be doing more and different. I can be doing different things. And so what I ended up doing was I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to ditch the whole, like, iPad and writing thing. I'm just going to, you know, make the que- I'm going to have the questions, make, make the worksheet as normal. But then I'm just going to write the, like, numbers up on the board and then, like, have them do it, right? Have them just come up and draw on the whiteboard and do it. Because um, one thing is that, like, well, there's a couple things, but one thing is that, like, I kind of forgot what I was going to say, but they stand up, they do stuff on the board. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So I, st- what I do is I start by like kind of prompting them or like prefacing them with a question. So I'm like, okay, guys, here's the question. And then I'll say, okay, so now what are the four different types of biomolecules? And that's when I'll have them do sort of like a, like a, I think it's call and response. I don't know if that's the right term, but like, I'll say, okay, you know, like what is, I'll ask a question. So what is the first, what is one type of biomolecule? And they'll say, oh, proteins. And so I'll write it on the board. And then I'll say, okay, um, now what's another one? And then they'll go with the rest of them. And then I'll say, okay, now everyone come up and write the definition for each one um, in your own words. Right. And then I, then they'll do that. You know, I'll kind of just chill and we'll have fun and we'll just talk like while they're doing that. And then, like, we'll go over everyone's definitions and, you know, compare, see who has, like, really good explanations um, and, like, highlight their, like, highlight the good parts of everyone's explanations because I think everyone has good parts. Um, But then we'll just, like, yeah, we'll go through every single one. We'll see what the good parts are and then we'll kind of synthesize, like, one good definition. And I feel like that that has been a lot more effective, not only just in terms of, like, 
you know, having them be, having them have more fun. Cause I feel like they have more fun when they go up and actually do stuff. Um, but it also just like allows them to, to learn more. I feel like. Totally. And I think something to add on to that too, is when you're asking those questions, I think it's so important for them because it helps them realize like, Hey, I actually know this, right? It's not just given to you. Yeah. So something I like to do is when they're up there, like, answering a question for whether for me it's chemistry that's why i si for if they're doing some type of like finding the density of this one element or whatever it is right asking them why they're doing those steps it's easy to get stuck in that mode where like you're just basically doing it over and over again and that's like the one way you know of doing it but why why are you doing this right every step of the way and that helps them thinking about it because if you really think about it and look at the previous tests we've taken a lot of the time you've learned it one way and then on the test it's like all right now do it backwards so if you're able to understand why you're doing each one of the steps, then you will have no problem going backwards. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've definitely like, I think like halfway through the semester, I was like, oh, like I need to start doing this more. And, and I think a lot of them have found that very helpful. And another thing I've started adding to is open-ended questions on, on like my worksheets, where it's like, it's not necessarily a problem that you need to solve, but it's more of like, hey, this is a concept. Now tell me everything you know about it. Just write it down. It could be anything you want. If it if it reminds you of something else, put it down, right? And then we'll all come together, and then people will just start blattering out what they, they put. And I think that's very helpful, and it helps them connect to that material a lot better. Because when it comes to the test, they're not going to remember that perfect definition that you'll, ha- you'll have, right? Off Google or off the, the slides or the professor's slides, right? They're going to remember what they have in their brain. And when you just give them that five minutes to really put down what they're thinking of and what they relate to that topic, I think it becomes so much easier for them to understand the material and just recall it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think just having fun with things. And then so one thing I also like to do is while they're answering the question, if I find or I see that they're struggling, I like to just say like, <laughs> like you know, give them hints um, and try to be like oh well you know maybe you should think about like this this or that and i find that like it just makes things more fun and i like to have things more conversational too i feel like it just makes it more fun for sure and i think just taking it back to the basics a lot of time those very complex um, topics are related to that kind of starting point that you started off in the beginning of the semester so just take it back there be like hey this is what we did in the start right so how can we correlate that and just like kind of move and move them through guide them Right. You don't necessarily I think it's very easy to just be like, hey, this is what you need to do. And this is not like this is why you're doing it wrong. But helping them really go through that whole path right from the starting point to where they're, they need to start off at is so important because that really helps them understand like why that earlier material was, was important and how you could kind of relate it to what you're learning now. Um, and I think that could go a long ways. So I think that's just something to keep in mind. It's you're there to help. Right. You're not there to just give them the right answers. Uh, it's okay to let them struggle. And when they make mistakes, I think it's important to really ask them questions like, hey, why, why does that not make sense, right? After they get the right answer, like, why, does, why did that one thing that you did, why does it not make sense? Um, and then if they're able to answer that, then you know for sure, like, hey, they, they understand it now. Um, and I think one thing I've, I've noticed, at least in chemistry, is a lot of people don't really understand the concept of molarity. So a lot of times they'll, they'll see that big M in a problem. They're like, oh, my God, how do I, like, convert this into moles of, like, product or something, right? Um, but something that's that I found is super helpful in not just this sense but everything else as well, uh, but I'll just talk about it in, in the sense of more, uh, molarity, is I'm like, break down. What does molarity mean, right? It's moles, moles per, per liter, liters. right? And from there I'm like, okay, so erase that, uh, that big M and write moles per liter. 
You see, now you have moles and liters, and you could use the, the molecular equation to just convert things, right? Um, so I think just breaking things down a little bit is very helpful because a lot of the time, those classes are so dense in material, and it's easy to get lost in the sauce, right? So, <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I don't know. It's just one of those phrases I'm going to say today. So helping them break it down and really just understand it, I think, is, is super, super beneficial. Cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anything, any last words? Mm-hmm. I don't. Maybe not any last words. It sounds kind of dark. Some last words. Any, last episode. Any last um, thoughts? Mm. What, do you, what would you say? Hmm. I'm trying to think of like some good questions that some people might be thinking about going into, like let's say they're considering SIing, right, or TAing. I think a big fear of mine was giving them the wrong information in a way because let's say they're coming in for a, a test review or something like that. Um, you obviously don't want to set them off on the wrong path because in the, the day you are a student, it's easy to make those mistakes. Um, I think a lot of it comes in with really being transparent as well. If there's something genuinely you don't know, that's okay. And just say it. Yeah, yeah, just say I don't know. Like, hey, let me write this down and I'll, I'll ask the teacher and get back to you. That's totally fine. And being open-minded too, right? You might solve a problem and everyone might agree with you, but not one student might come to you and be like, hey, this is actually what I think it is. Um, and this is why I think. And if it makes sense, like you need to be open-minded, like, hey, this might actually be correct and I might have given everyone else the wrong answer. And really just taking a step back, like, it's okay. Like, no one's going to hold it back against you, right? Yeah. If anything, they're, they're going to be like, oh, well, like, Mo told me this is how you do it, and this is why I did it on the test, right? Then that makes you look a little bad, right? But if you just take a step back and, like, hey, ask the teacher, like, oh, I saw this. It's the way I did it. But there's one student came and told me this, and it, it kind of makes sense. Is this right? They might tell you, like, hey, that, that way it was wrong because of blah, 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 blah. And if you did it, that, that, you did it wrong, then that might be a common misconception um, between the students as well. Right, so that's what they're gonna look at. They're like, "Oh, that was super helpful. I'm glad that I that he showed me that. He, I'm glad that he he told me like, hey, this is actually wrong. This is how you actually do it. That's totally fine, right? Those are what what's gonna make up for that. No one's gonna care about you making a mistake and correcting yourself. That's yeah. actually a good thing. So uh, that's like something I was worried about, but I don't think. I mean, you're coming in prepared. You have your worksheet. You have what you're going to talk about. A lot of the time, at least for me, I'll meet weekly with the professor and really talk about previous semesters, what students struggled with, what are some things that we need to cover more during review sessions and things like that. So coming in prepared, definitely helpful. And a lot of the time, I I know especially in office hours during finals week, I had a lot of people come in and they're like bringing up material from the beginning of the semester. I'm like, oh, wait, I totally forgot about that too. So it's going to be like, hey, give me a second. Let me look at my notes really quick just to make sure that I have it down 100%. So I think honesty as well with that is really important because you don't want to break that trust. If they're coming to you, you want to make sure that you are indeed helping them and not giving them the wrong information. And if that takes you telling them, hey, give me a minute or two, that's totally fine. Yeah. I think definitely there's like an air of like, you know, being prepared is definitely mm-hmm. something that's important. But yeah, also accepting that you can be wrong. Like, you know, we're we're people. Like we make mistakes and at the same time, you know, we're not like spending every single day learning about the material that we're like talking about because we also have, you know, a billion Our other things. Yeah, things. a billion other things to keep track of. And it's like, you know, there's going to be times when we're wrong or we forget or we misremember something from class or we didn't even learn it. Like correctly in class, but like you know, we still managed to learn the other things well enough, um, and and it's okay. It's okay to be wrong. Um, you shouldn't be wrong. Like you should try your best to like you know give accurate information all the time. 
but you know if someone comes up to you and says that you're you know you're wrong then <laughs> it's okay to like take a step back and be like you know i was wrong and just and to just acknowledge it totally yeah. so i mean i think it was a little bit of a last minute episode for this one but i hope that you guys gained something out of it whether it's presentation skills or teaching skills I think the biggest takeaway is be yourself in those because that's what's going to differentiate you from things. If you're teaching, for example, the same way your teacher is teaching or the person that you're TAing for is teaching, then that's going to make a difference when someone comes and helps, right, or for help. They're going to want to hear it in a different way. They're going to hear, they want to hear it from your voice because mm-hmm. they, they didn't understand it from the teacher's voice. So I think that's something to keep in mind, especially during presentations as well. Be honest with yourself. If something that is boring, make it fun. It's okay to loosen up a little bit. Um, going confident, it's okay to take a step back when you need to, when you've made a mistake, that's okay. Um, but make it your own sauce. Yeah. And then one last thing that I'll add is just the idea of practicing, right? Uh, you know, record yourself doing the presentation and listen back to it. As hard as that might be, it's, you know, one thing I think that is really important is getting used to hearing yourself talk. That's something that I think all three of us were uh, really uncomfortable 100%. with at the start of this podcast. But I think now... I, like, I get to hear it every time I edit it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so now, now when we hear our own voices, I feel like it's not that bad. Yeah, like, I feel like, like it's like, maybe at first, if like we're listening to it with other people, it's like, uh, but then it's like, you know, I feel like like 30 seconds and I'm like, okay, you know, this is normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So I think I saw something that was like, first, listen to your voice without looking at the video. And then listen to the video or watch the video without listening to the voice afterwards and that way you can kind of see like hey these are let's say i'm saying um a lot or something like that then you're able to catch on that or if you have some weird like thing that you do with your hands when you're talking then you're able to catch that afterwards right those are some things that you could look at and really just um yeah yeah so Anyways, I hope you guys are enjoying your break. I, ho- I think we had our Christmas special come out this week, so I hope you guys enjoyed that as well. Um, is there anything else? Oh, most pre-med thing to say. What are we going to... Uh, what's the most pre-med thing? I don't know. Make it fun. Nathan, you want to... <laughs> <laughs> rip. <laughs> I don't know. Making it fun. Yeah, Make it have fun. fun with it. Um, I don't know if that's exactly like a pre-med thing to say, but I feel like it's something that a lot of pre-meds need to say a lot because sometimes um things can maybe feel a little bit mundane um but making it fun or interject interjecting like your own sort of way of just having fun makes things a lot better totally well that's what we have to say today thanks for tuning in we appreciate you all thanks for all the support if you haven't already done so please follow us on spotify apple podcasts um youtube tiktok instagram twitter I think we always forget about Twitter. Do we even have a Twitter? Yeah, I, I, we I do. Made, I, made one. I don't, I even, have never my, I don't even have my own Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so follow us on all those. As always, it's at Theory Premed. We keep it simple. Episodes on Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Tune in, and we look forward to talking to you guys more. See ya.